views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the host and his guests. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of the Texas Patriots PAC, its board of directors, or members. Opinions stated by the host and his guests are not to be considered as endorsements by the Texas Patriots PAC. Please feel free to email us at podcast at texaspatriotspack.com. Hello, this is Bill Brenta, and welcome to this edition of This Week in Montgomery County Politics. On this podcast, we're going to talk about a couple of issues. The first one we're going to talk about is the possibility of using your tax dollars to build extensive bike lanes within the woodlands. And the second issue is we're going to talk about the vetting of candidates by the Texas Patriots PAC for the uh, upcoming election in November of 2016, uh, and also, of course, the primaries before that. And I have an interview with uh, Julie Turner about how the vetting is done by the PAC. So I hope you enjoy them both. With my apologies to William Shakespeare, I'm going to give this a shot here. Friends, Texans, Woodlands residents, lend me your ears. I come not to bury bikes as a recreational activity. I come to praise them. They are noble machines that have been used for years. But this is 2015, and this is South Texas. And thinking that people are going to commute to work on bicycles in the woodlands is just not going to happen. I say that because a special interest group, the Woodlands Bike Coalition, is trying to do an end run around us and under the guise of using bikes as recreation, they're trying to tap into the bond money and get long distance bike lanes put in that they say are going to be used for mobility when we all know that they're really going to be, just be used for the people that like to ride bikes quickly on long distances to have their recreational fun. I first became aware of this when Woodlands Online ran a story about the study that was being done. Now, I knew already that the Woodlands Town Council, in what I think was a bad move, had given uh, a substantial amount of money to a consultant to do a study and develop a master plan for biking in the Woodlands. And the first part of this is apparently a survey that is being done online. And I did go in and do the survey. Uh, I thought the first part of it was really confusing because you had to give them a nine-digit zip code so they knew where you were. Um, and, and I know they've been trying to get the nine-digit zip code to go over years, but we all just still use five digits. I guess that didn't uh, narrow it down enough on where we were. Uh, but I, I went through and did the whole thing. And it was really uh, pretty fair-handed. Uh, they talked about uh, biking and walking and running and all these different things. Um, and, and then they had a series where they talked about what, what would be the thing that you would like. Uh, of course, as with most of these things, the cost of these things that you would like is never included because it's, it's very nice to say, I'd like to have a 10-foot wide concrete section uh, pathway with a line down the middle so that bikes going the opposite direction know to stay on the right-hand side. But of course, if they, if they told you it was X number of dollars per foot, then you might not like it as much. But they don't want you to know 
you know, details like that because that's not really necessary at this particular time. And they are going to be having a meeting, a public meeting, on Tuesday, January 19th, uh, from 6 to 8 at the Township Building. And uh, I would strongly recommend that uh, my fellow conservatives join me at that meeting and get ourselves made uh, known right up front that uh, bikes as a, a recreational activity is fine. We have some phenomenal bike paths around here already. And, uh, uh, and if they need to hook them together or make some of those a little bit better, uh, that's certainly fine with me. But I, I've seen this, this story before. I've seen it unfold in the uh, city of Houston. And that's never where they stop. This is an agenda with these people. They've actually, uh, I found out the other day, uh, gone so far as to get Congress to say that if you are going to get road money from the federal government, uh, under certain circumstances, you have to include a bike path on it. Uh, I don't think there's any requirements that say, you know, prove that the bike path will be used. Uh, of course, that's a, um, a minor point with most of these people. Uh, but they, they're going to put it in, just like they put signs up all over the place that say share the road and, and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I might see one biker, biker on there like once a week or something maybe. Um, but... Uh, I did some looking into um, this whole thing because I, I felt like being a good conservative, I should come with data. And uh, I did some looking uh, on the internet and apparently they have statistics uh, on people that bike to work in Dallas, Houston, and uh, Austin. And you would think Austin would be a hotbed of people that bike to work. Well, I found out that all of them are about the same, about 1.4%. So less than 2%. So even in Austin, uh, except maybe around UT, they can still only get less than 2%. Now that's not going to slow them down. That's not going to stop them because they want this done. And if they can get themselves properly politically connected, they will be happy to take your tax dollars to do it. So uh, this is going to be an ongoing thing with me, but uh, this is just the beginning. So please come to the meeting on Tuesday, January the 19th at the uh, township building and make sure that you tell your directors, uh, may not do any good, but I think we should still tell them that spending a reasonable amount of money on um, bike paths for recreation is fine. If they want to do something uh, for these high-speed guys to, to work, uh, you know, work out on, then uh, I don't have a problem with that either as long as they pay at least part of it. Um, we saw a deal like this struck, uh, might not have been in favor of it, but we saw it struck with the ice rink people. And uh, uh, they found uh, a partner to pay for half of it, the Cynthia Mitchell Woods Pavilion, uh, but the township still kicked in almost $3 million. I'm not sure why we need a $3 million ice rink, but we're gonna get one, it looks like, uh, that it will be an ice rink for half of the year. Um, so what I would say is the best thing for these guys to do is that if you want a place to, to ride fast and not have to worry about cars and pedestrians and that kind of thing, uh, form yourself a 501c3, find where you'd like to put it. Uh, if, if the township wants to give you the land to construct it on there, that's fine with me. And uh, go ahead and build your, uh, build your place to exercise and pay to keep it up 
and, uh, and enjoy yourselves. But don't ask me, a Woodlands resident who does not bike, uh, to pay for your recreational activities. The other thing I'd like to talk about this week is the vetting of candidates that are uh, running for the various uh, seats that are open. The election will be in November 2016, and the Texas Patriots PAC is starting to vet those candidates right now. And I have a short interview with uh, Julie Turner about the vetting process and how it works and how much work uh, and labor it takes to talk to all these candidates. And I'd like to go ahead and run that now. We are lucky enough today to have gotten some of Julie Turner, the president of the Texas Patriots PAC time, to discuss things that are going on within the PAC. So I guess the first question I have for you, Julie, based on uh, where we are in the process is we're getting ready to bet. Uh, let's see, there's, there's 32 races coming up. Uh, 19 of them look like they're gonna be uncontested or races we're not gonna have to bet people for. Uh, but then there are 13 that we're going to have to vet people. So can you tell me a little bit about the vetting process? Sure. Um, I guess let's start with the kind of the enormity of the load here. Um, when you're voting in a primary, especially in Montgomery County, you're supposed to go down this list of people that you should have ahead of time met, learned all about, understood the issues in the race, um, know what their history is, know if these people have, have um, had any problems in their past as, as representatives if they're running as incumbents or if they're running for a new position. Uh, you have to know whether these people are cognizant of the challenges coming down the pike in that particular position. And that is a very heavy load for voters. So a lot of people come in and they vote on um, um, maybe they'll vote for someone who's got a name that's sort of recognizable. Maybe they'll vote for somebody who is um, um, male or female or um, it, it triggers something in them. They're, they're voting based on the name, not because they've looked into the race. So this vetting process that we do at the Texas Patriots Pack is, I think, the most important thing that we do because we line up these people against our values where we're looking for people who want to keep government doing only what government should do and push everything else out to whatever proper area it should be handled. So that's quite a process. So you start out by sending them a, uh, a form and they fill the form out and send it back to you? We keep track of who has filed. We keep our ear to the ground to know who is um, thinking about filing. And once we have a candidate that seriously wants to run, we send them a vetting form. And it's a simple little form that basically just says kind of, um, what are your values? What do you, what do you know about this race? What, why are you running? And that is the basis for the conversation that we have um, at, at the PAC office. And it's with a variety of people that we feel have the same values that, that this organization um, holds dear. And we, we wanna know where these people are and we wanna know how sturdy they are in terms of their, um, their philosophy. So, so each of those people would, would come here to the PAC office and, and you spend, what, an hour talking to each one of them? Well, the conversation may be an hour long, um, but the work that we put into it is a lot more than that. We look at, you know, has this person been in the news? We check with people in the community. 
um, just so that we can make informed decisions. But we're looking at who matches up best with our vetting um, criteria about philosophy of government. And the other thing that is very important is um, their campaign. We look for whether they have a, a serious campaign with a path to victory because we, as hard as we work, Every, I think people are familiar with us being in the parking lot and, and are distributing our voter guide. If we're going to work that hard, we want it to be um, for candidates that take this very seriously and understand that they need to be representing voters and they need to go ask those voters for their votes. And that takes time and money. That sounds like you all spend a tremendous amount of time working on this. And, and uh, yes. I'm just amazed. And, and I don't think most of the people who get the voter guide from the PAC and look at it realize how much work has gone into it uh, mm -hmm. from the from the PAC. Yes, most people, when they get out of their car and they have one of us come up and ask if they'd like a voter guide, say, yeah, sure, I'll take a look at that. And they'll walk in and, and, um, and they'll vote that. And that's very gratifying. But they think that's the sum total of the interaction. Or maybe we had to, to pay something to get it printed up. But the, the effort that we put into watching issues and getting to know people through the year and um, what they've done in their past, some of these people have not run before, getting to know them and the way they think about government and government's role is, is the bulk of our effort. And I, and I know you just sort of glossed over it, but uh, the, the cost of producing that voter guide mm -hmm. uh, and, and then getting it out, whether it's walked to people's houses or whether it's mailed to people's houses, uh, that's that's a substantial cost. And of course, the, the PAC uh, depends on sustaining donors and people like that to, uh, to support it. Right. The production of the voter guide is an ongoing effort because we study the issues and the people throughout the year, not just election time. So when you think about the cost of a voter guide, it's not the paper, it's not the the postage if we mailed it to you, it's the cost of, um, you know, we have minimal employees with the PAC. We rely heavily on volunteer effort, but we have newspaper subscriptions. We have an office. We do have employees. We have the expenses that go along with um, what it takes to support the volunteers. So we have people who, um, who travel around. There's um, the things that they need, the aprons, the lunch that we provide, all of these things may be donated, but if we pay for them ourselves, and we encourage people to donate things like that, but if we pay for them, all of that goes into the cost of the voter guide. So, um, and even that, even though you added up all of that, it is a bargain compared to what it would cost the typical voter to go and do this investigation on their own. And we want people to keep government as small as possible. So that's, that's what you get when you look at our voter guide. That's an amazing uh, amount of information, and, and it's uh, really explained to me a lot about what the PAC does and, and how important the voter guide is, and the fact that, uh, uh, as some voter guides are, that, that they don't, you know, it's just not whether or not you, you uh, pay to have advertisement in the voter guide, and that's how you get endorsed, that, that the Texas Patriots PAC actually goes out and really does a lot of research. And I appreciate all the information, and uh, I'm sure that our listeners will be uh, uh, amazed to hear about that. Thank you very much for coming. I hope you enjoyed both topics that we talked about today on This Week in Montgomery County Politics, and I hope you all watch the show again next week. Thank you.